Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Tudo Português. My name is Angela Samos, and I am here today with Luisa Carreiro Po. I want to get that correct, who is a physician assistant. And we are talking about being a physician assistant and what that means as a career, because I learned something new today that it is not physician's assistant, it is physician assistant. So, welcome, Luisa. Really happy to have you here today. I think that we actually should do more of these talking about different types of careers yeah, and and how to get into them. And so, so tell us a little bit about your background and yeah, how you got, so, got into being a physician assistant. Yeah, it's an interesting pathway. I was actually heading to um, the path of a physician medical school and I was at Mass General Hospital doing research. Little did I know that's the path that everyone takes. They do research. Okay. <laughs> they go into medical school. <laughs> And I came across a PA and what I was doing when I was working in endocrinology. So I was giving her results and I called her doctor so-and-so and she's like, oh, I'm not a doctor. I'm like, what are you then? Because I'm giving you confidential information here. She said, um, I'm a PA. And I said, a P what? <laughs> a P what? What is that? Mm-hmm. So that was back in 1986, like, 87, I think. So she told me about the profession. And I asked her, where, where do you go to school for that? And she said, you know, I went to Northeastern here in Boston. So by that time, I was living in Boston, loved the area, didn't want to leave that area. And instead of medical school, took the track of applying to PA school. And at the time, I applied to only one because I wanted to stay in Boston. And, you know, talk about how things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. I remember going on the interview and hearing everyone talking about all the schools they had applied to. And I had applied to just one. I was like, uh-oh, this is really serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, I got accepted. So I stayed in Boston and did PA school. And How long I, is the program? So it's two years post-grad. And it's over like 3,000 hours of education. So I don't know if you had a chance to, I, I think I sent you, um, it was the last minute, I apologize. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, no, I didn't have a chance to watch it, unfortunately. But basically, it's like fast-tracking the medical model. Okay. Anytime you go to medical school, right, you do four years of medical school, then you have to do an internship, then you have to get matched, you know, to a residency. Mm -hmm. And depending on the career path you pick, then you're kind of locked in to either cardiothoracic surgery, internal medicine, nephrology, whatever it may be. Okay. And so I knew that after working in the lab that I really wanted patient interaction, but I was ready to get started. I was like, I am not spending the rest of my life going to school. And I have the utmost respect for physicians because I have a lot of friends who are physicians, but um, it's a lot of money down. down yeah, the for sure. For sure. And I, didn't want, and I didn't want all that debt because I was putting myself through PA school. So that was the path that I picked. Never looked back. Best decision I ever made. And, and how long has it been now? Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to no. age you, but let's say no, you know twenty five years. I'm, I'm, no, I'm sixty, and it's been thirty three years. 33. Wow. Yeah. And so, give us an example of your average week. I don't want to say your average day because I imagine it's a little different every yeah. day. So now, at this point in my career, I'm working four days a week. But I'll okay. I'll give you a quick rundown. When I graduated from Northeastern, I um, started working at a Harvard affiliate hospital in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I'm proud to say that it was very competitive. Everyone in my class wanted to go to that place because Mm -hmm. 
they uh, it was the highest paying at the time. Oh, and I had the advantage that I was the only one who spoke Portuguese. <gasps> I and, love to hear that. Oh yeah. my gosh! And wow. Cambridge is a very Cambridge, Massachusetts is very at the time yeah. Portuguese. Yeah. So I had done an internship there and loved it, and they knew that I spoke Portuguese, and they had me like talking to patients and also. Mm-hmm. I'm proud to say that I got the job there. Fantastic. Yeah. So I worked. And the thing is, you do clinical rotations. So you do like a whole year of didactic. And then the second year, you do clinical rotations in different fields. And when I graduated. What is, sorry. What does didactic mean just for those so of like, us? Who- it's all classwork, right? There's, oh, okay. You do a whole year. And so some of the things, the way they fast track, um, like I have a medical assistant now who was deciding between PA or MD. And she decided to go the PA route because certain things like she now has to take anatomy and physiology because before you go to PA school, you have to be competent in your anatomy and physiology. Whereas you're a medical student, you'll get all the anatomy and physiology in medical school. So there it's like you've gotten the basics, but then you start, once you start PA school, you're on a fast track of learning every, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of anatomy and physiology. So that's how they compress the time of like medical school versus PA. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I went to, um, I say all that because I really didn't care what field I went into because I, I liked all of them. And so I started working in uh, general surgery and subspecialties. So I would basically take care of the patients pre-op before they came in for surgery. take care of them while they were in the hospital setting, and then post-op after surgery up until the time they left. Sometimes I would get to, you know, be part of of surgery. Oh, okay. But because it was a medical residency program from Harvard, what happened was, of course, the residents got first dibs because they needed to know more about surgery than I did as a PA, right? Because they would be Mm -hmm. one day running the show. And so I basically would, you know, if they called me for something, I, I would be down there helping out at an extra set of hands. And then within the same hospital, then there was an opening for cardiothoracic surgery, which is where you the PA removes the vein for the mm. bypass surgery for the heart. And so at that time, I was petrified. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, cardiothoracic yeah. surgery, they're like, ah, oh, big egos, you know, they, so I said, I don't know if I can do that. But a really good friend of mine said, I know you can do this. Trust me, I'm not going to throw you to the wolves. I'm going to train you. You won't be there until you're absolutely ready. And so I did. So I transferred from general surgery to cardiothoracic. And that's the beauty of the profession because we're part of the team. We can mm-hmm. go from field to field because we have a basic knowledge of everything mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. more certified in all disciplines. So that gives us the background and the liberty that it never gets boring. So you actually got to participate in surgery, not from a, here's the scalpel surgeon, but actually help assisting with the surgery. Yeah. So, right. Cause That's the surgeon crazy. would be opening, opening the chest. Right. I would be working the vein, getting the vein in time for them when they needed the bypass. Now, granted, this was years ago. Now they do everything laparoscopically. I wouldn't know where to begin. But at the time, (laughs) you had to literally open 
from the ankle to the groin sometimes to get to get a vein. So I did that for a couple of years and I loved it. It was, you know, high intensity. I was single at Mm -hmm. the time. So it was like they'd call codes and you'd have to like run to to the, you know, to the ICU and things like that. So that was great. And then unfortunately, my dad came down with um, lung cancer and passed away at the age of 61. Mm. Sorry. Thank you. But my mom was in Fall River at the time. My sister was finishing her degree at Boston College. So I just felt like, oh, I still loved what I do and I would commute. But then my dad's physician asked me if I would be interested in working in their practice, which was now internal medicine. Okay. And I was like, there is no way I'm leaving Boston to go to Fall River. (laughs) Right. And so, but she asked me, she's like, you know, you can still commute. And I did for a while. I would commute from Boston Mm -hmm. about an hour. And I had my place in Boston. And once after that happened, I decided to move back home. Well, I lived in Fall River, not at home, but, and it was such an amazing experience. I saw, oh my gosh, it was just, and sometimes it's just things I wouldn't have picked, but the way life can like lead you there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I worked with someone who was extremely well known to the Portuguese community, Dr. Uh, Americo Almeida. Okay. And the interesting thing was that he took care of like my grandmother. So oh, when, wow. he, when he would go from like house to house when it was like being a house. Oh, house. okay. So he knew my family. It was just like, we we're all a knit group. And so my dad's physician, she's the one that convinced me, Dr. Mendes, who she and I remain really good friends till this day. And she's like, Oh, I really need another woman in there with me. Please come back. And, so I did. And what I saw was just amazing because I really worked with the Portuguese community. So you were still using your Portuguese language skills. Yes. Yes. And patient education was key. Key. Yeah, I imagine. Right. OK. You no, know, sometimes they say, I'm like, oh, what's, what's your medication? And they say, oh, the blue pill and the green pill and the red pill. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so we, We'd have to, I'd really take the time. Look, this is this. I know this is complicated, you know, the jargon of the medical terminology, but I'm going to write on your bottle that this is for blood pressure, benzoyl alpha, you know, cholesterol. So I would really take the time to explain to them. And then it was so interesting that I even had patients who knew my family from the Azores. Oh my gosh. And knew my aunt who was a midwife in the Azores. And that's where. That's where the seed started for my desire for medicine. I oh, from your aunt? From my aunt, who I'd never met. Never okay. met her, but knew amazing stories. Because oh, she, wow. Yeah, she was, you know, she was a pioneer. She was like the first woman to drive in San Miguel. Because what? She had to. She had to oh, to get to the houses, right? So, yeah. She had to oh, my God. So she was like the first woman to wear pants, right? So she <laughs> brought... She broke, you know, wow. And so I would always hear about her, Maria Teresa, Maria Teresa. And, you know, I have all the pictures. I still have her medicine bag. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like she's, you know, her spirit. Yeah. And so having said that, it was just amazing to, to hear patients say, oh, your aunt delivered my son. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what? So. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, she was pretty, pretty amazing woman. 
And so um, I have ties in medicine from her. That's why I have the sure. utmost respect for nurses and physicians and PAs. We're all part of the team. Right. You know, the way healthcare is going, it, there's such a need, such a demand. There's not enough of us out there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I really think the PA profession is like, I'm so, I've never looked back. Best decision I ever made. Met my husband in the field and also there. Nice. What are so what are some of the misconceptions that people have about PAs? Because I know sometimes you'll hear somebody had an appointment with their doctor and they'll say, well, I had to meet with the PA. The doctor wasn't available. And so it's almost like they felt like they didn't get the full service that they needed. Right. right? Or they and also, you know, the difference between the medical assistant and a physician assistant, certainly not the same thing. So. What are some of the misconceptions, like maybe the top top two or three that you want to make sure that people understand? Yeah. And I think that's why the name, you know, even when I heard about it, they're like, you know, a physician assistant. I'm like, I'm not going to be an assistant. I'm yeah. Part of yeah. The show, right? Yeah. Gonna, yeah. I mean, no offense to assistants. I think it's a, it's a great field. But at that time in my life, I wanted something more. Sure. And so that was a misconception. And that's why, you know, the upcoming title name change, which has not been passed yet in legislation, but being physician associate gives it a different ring. Yes. What also would help differentiate roles much more clearly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's really interesting because at times patients, well, now that the younger, the um, younger generations, they've been raised with PAs, but typically it's the older generation who know the difference. Right. And sometimes I get that still because I am part of internal medicine, private practice, and they're very diverse. The the physicians are uh, from Egypt. So I have patients from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And the older ones, when they hear, oh, you know, so-and-so can't meet with you, but Louisa, our PA can, they're like, uh, no. And, yeah. then, and then, you know, it's up to the front to say, well, do you know what she does? She was actually trained, you know, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. knows how to diagnose she prescribes, and she'll actually have more time to spend with you sometimes than the physician does. And that's usually the key. Okay. I'll, I'll have you know that typically once they meet with a PA, or I know when they meet with me, it's hard to get them back to, to the physician. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, w- I want to see, I want to yeah. see the PA. Yeah. And so in this practice, because I've been doing this so long, I'm pretty much solo. I'm there Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. The physicians are upstairs doing their own research, different practice, and I basically see the patients. So wow, it's an amazing. You know, never did I think I would be doing geriatrics, but I love my valinge. They're just, (laughs) and it's like you know we're all headed that way. So I might, I might as well learn what I can. But um, yeah, so I I just love what I do. I don't see myself retiring anytime soon because it's just super rewarding. Looking back on kind of how you got started, let's say there's, you know, some young folks out there, they know they want to get into the medical field. They're not quite sure where to go. Like, well, maybe I'll start, you know, as a medical assistant, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to nursing school. And then from there, you know, maybe I can apply to medical school later on. What are some of the things or questions they should be asking themselves kind of now that might help them decide which path would be best for them, right? Like, 
Yeah. I think is, is that is that even possible? Or I'm because it's always so hard to figure out because like maybe you get down a path a little bit far and then you're you figure out really I actually don't really like this and now I got to change course and now I got to start over. So yeah, what, anything you can think of? Well, you know, it's really help? interesting. I was thinking about this today and it goes back to like you know even like our school system here. There's certain sciences that are they have to take as part of the core, like even in high school. Okay. And you know I think it's like anatomy and physiology is not one of the required, right? You you can choose that if you want to do like uh, anatomy and physiology, mm-hmm. AP, advanced placement, if you, if you already know that's the path you want to go. But I just, I'm, I'm amazed that people aren't aware of like their human body and how it functions. Right. And I think it's, it has to start young. Like I remember in fourth grade, hearing about the GI system. And I was fascinated. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so incredible. <laughs> but and it depends on the professors too. And I always sure. had that thing that I knew I wanted medicine. Mm-hmm. But I think exposure is key, first of all. Okay. And I think you have to start young. And that's why, you know, some PAs, and I've done this in the past, when my son was in high school, going to his high school and talking about the PA profession. Oh, yeah, I think okay. The key. I think having kids have the exposure, like when they're in high school to shadow, to say, look, I really am not sure which path to go, you know, and it's good to shadow different specialties because there's mm-hmm. so many out there. And I think then, you you know, you know, I think if you love the sciences, it may be for you. I think it's sometimes harder when people just have an image of what medicine is and they think mm-hmm. it's like the highest paying profession which isn't anymore because it's yeah. <laughs> right but I think once you know you know but I think the key is exposure and okay. I think we have to start young you know just like even when kids will see me and they're mm-hmm. like it's important for us to tell tell them that we're a PA because a lot of times they'll call me Dr. Poe and I'm like I always correct them I'm not a physician I'm a PA and they're like what some of them know, others don't. And mm-hmm. that's a good time for me to educate them. Right. This is what. I so think. are you addressed as PA Poe or just Louisa? Or? So I have I have my little old patients. They'll call me Dr. Louisa. Mm-hmm. And I'll say to them, no, just call me Louisa because I'm not a physician. I'm a PA. And I take pride in that. I want people to know what the PA. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then I have others who refuse to call me Louisa because out of respect. Mm-hmm. So they call me PA Po. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah. So your point about exposure is is excellent. And so let's say at the elementary school level, something as simple as like you said, going to your your child's or going to your local school mm-hmm. and giving a talk. Like I don't know that they really have career days at that level, but you know, like you said, in fourth grade, you're learning about you know different systems in the body, and so yeah. It could be interesting to have somebody come in and talk about that. High school, there could be some volunteer work that people could volu- could do, right? So what kind of volunteer work do you think would be good? I know that in some hospitals, they usually have the candy stripers. I don't even know if they have it anymore. But that's really more about like greeting. And I don't know that you really get exposure to. I was a candy to- and Were you? Yeah. Really? So maybe <laughs> talk about that. But I mean, like, kind of what at, at what just, each level? Yeah, would yeah, be good. It's getting your foot in the door. So I think volunteering is a great place to mm-hmm. start. And then you see exposure of what's out there. 
Mm-hmm. You know, even sometimes like if you're not sure, you know, scribing is a big thing now. So if you want to be a scribe and then you can see what's happening. I mean, at that point, you have to be probably, you know, college uh, age. And but, scribing, you mean like translating or yeah, not so translating, like but or the PA's talking and then someone and is you're, just basically typing away. Right. So basically a court reporter, but for well, the medical exactly. field. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Got it. So things of that nature. I did um, for a while there. I uh, went into EMT, emergency medical profession. Oh. Okay. Um, I did. I took the courses. I didn't really get to go out in the field because then I applied. Then then I went to Boston and do, did research. It was just kind of a fill in thing before I moved away. I always wanted to kind of have a foot in the door. But even like volunteering at a doctor's office, like a receptionist or something. Okay. Just to see. And then from there, you can learn there's phlebotomy, there's all different. Right. Right. Okay. So, so maybe so- like. So is phlebotomy, and forgive me for being ignorant in this, but is phlebotomy like one of those professions where if you're in college and you're looking and you want to get a job, can you become a certified phlebotomist and then work part-time while you're in school? Or is that something that you have to do after? Phlebotomy is one of those, and don't quote me on this because I'm not sure, but I think it's like a course that they take. Okay. And then once they get proficient in that, I'm not even sure if it has to be like, you know, a college degree. I could. Yeah, because I'm I'm because I'm just thinking like, you know, the like quest diagnostics. I don't know if they have that on the East Coast. Okay, and they're everywhere. Right. And so I I don't know what kind of certification you need to to work there to be a phlebotomist, you know, just to draw blood or things like that. But I was just trying to think if you're in college and you're, you know, maybe you're taking your general ed, but you want to get some exposure to the medical world because you're thinking about going down that path, mm-hmm. you know, instead of working at Starbucks, you could go be a phlebotomist or you could yeah. go get it. Like you, like you said, a receptionist at a doctor's office, or I don't know, or what are some of those things? Or then a or, medical assistant, you can take okay. certification because trust me, anything you do, it won't go to waste. If you decide to go to medicine, then you know how what a phlebotomist does, right? Right. You know, you know from the step up, the receptionist coming in, what they have to go through, and you know, booking patients, which can be really challenging sometimes because they're at the forefront, so they get everything: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get happy, not so happy patients, right? Right. Right. Time they come back, things are a little settled already. So I think anything like that. I always liked working from the bottom up, but. Realize that the PA profession is not a stepping stone to the medical profession, right? It's a okay. That's a good point. On its own, yeah. I mean, once people become because there's so much to do in the PA profession. If you want to go towards education and teach in PA programs, right? Okay. um, Karen Bass from California. She's a PA. Did you know that? I think she's a congresswoman, right? From oh, I didn't know that. No, okay. She's she's a PA. So there's. Legislation. I mean, there's so much to be had. There is okay. never a boring moment. That's the key. Now, you could go on to medical school if you wanted, though, right? Like if you were a PA oh, for uh, true. <laughs> hey, listen, people do crazy things. No, you no, know, I get it. I get at 50, it. I mean, like people at 50 are like, I'm going to take my no, job and open and, a bakery, right? So, yeah, no, the power to them, right? But the <laughs> thing is, I basically, I'm part of the team and I'm doing yeah. pretty much everything that a physician is doing. Yeah. Now, granted, we get paid really well, but medical physicians get paid 
more than PA. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about it, they spend so much more, right, in education. So that's fair because that's what you needed. Primary care is big, Mm -hmm. right? And that's where the need is, prevention and uh, teaching people. Because I always say we're partners in health, right? I'm here to Mm -hmm. help you, but you need to help me too. Right. So, and I think that's the important thing because the way healthcare is going, it's just people are sick. There are not enough of us out there to mm-hmm. take care of patients. So I'm big on prevention. And let me tell you, after removing the vein and seeing what happens to patients if mm-hmm. they don't take care of themselves, now I feel in like internal medicine, I'm in the forefront. The last thing I want is for my patients to have to open their chest and have open right. Heart, right? Right. So I can bring that experience to them and say, look, this is this is like what happened. I don't want this to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Less Charisse, less pork belly. Less- <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a that's a great point. And I and not not only for the Portuguese community, but in general, that prevention it, it is really there needs to be more focus on prevention, changing mm-hmm. habit, changing health habits, um, yeah. things like that. So so this has been excellent because I, I learned something that I didn't know uh, yeah. really about the role of physician assistants. I, I do hope that the name change goes through. I think that would actually be quite helpful, not only with patient understanding of the roles, but, you know, right. uh, kind of elevating the position to where it, where it actually, like yeah. in perception, yeah. not, not right. that. <laughs> you know so that's I mean. why sometimes the universal of a PA people Got pretty it. much know, know what, what yeah. that is. But um, yeah, no, it's it's great. And Angela, I just wanted to give a shout out to you and everything that you do. I oh, mean, thanks. honestly, because you're a third generation, correct? Yes. Which is amazing. I thought you were like first generation. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. You speak the way you've carried on your roots. It's just, and you've done so much for me because, you know, when I lived in Fall River, there was so much Portuguese influence that like you took it for granted, right? If anything, mm-hmm. oh, let me go somewhere else where there isn't so much. You know, <laughs> right. this, is a, this is a lot. But once I'm living here in the D.C. area, Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. it's you miss those things. So right. one of the first things I did was get involved with Palcus when I was working in D.C. And um, it was one of those things. And when I hear, like, I always listen to the Palcus. And even when you had that with Maria Lawton. Oh, like, yeah. If there's a certain, it just warms my heart. Oh, thank you. It's like you know, I'll be on the walk and I'll be listening to it, and I'm like, (laughs) just you know, and I have Portuguese friends here, and Mm -hmm. it's just now there's such a wonderful connection. I just found out at Trader Joe's they have Shalajnata. Yeah, I know they're actually pretty good too. Yeah, so uh, good. Yeah, my medical assistant was like, she took a picture. She's like, do you want some? I'm like, yes, please. So it's it's that continuing connection that you bring. And I so appreciate that. I was just in the Azores this past June, which mm-hmm. was just an incredible, incredible trip because my husband came, my son. Oh, um, amazing. Wife, so they got to see the house where I was born. It was That's just amazing. It was that's amazing. it was being able to like see the physical. Yeah. I mean, because it's so different from where we live now. Right. I mean, right. That's, that's now amazing. I miss that, you know, and yeah. it's interesting because, you know, it's not like I married into the Portuguese culture, but I still keep it very much alive. My daughter, my son went to a Spanish immersion just because of oh. Portuguese schools. 
Right. And wanted to implant that language is important and culture. It is. Being bilingual is so, so, such a huge asset. Such a so huge he, asset. He's fluent in Spanish and he, I like to say he's competent in Portuguese. When we went mm-hmm. to Portugal, he was ordering it it- Portuguese. It was mm-hmm. And so, you know, and my daughter in law, who is American but from Filipino heritage, is already mm-hmm. saying that when the kids come, that she wants me to speak Portuguese to. So I've said awesome. all my Portuguese, you know, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck books. In I'll send you. I'll send you a set of my books when when your that. when your grandchild arrives. <laughs> you let me know. <laughs> we haven't heard anything yet. But when they're ready, I'm ready. I always say yeah. it's better to get a dog first, so you know the responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, good. thank you very much for your words. I, I really appreciate that. I have to give a shout out to my parents and my grandparents for keeping us involved in the community, yeah. frankly. I mean, I was on a float wearing angel wings before I could walk. So with all my cousins. <laughs> so yeah. Funny. So we were just immersed in it. And, you know, it just kind of went from there. But thank you very much. Um, and there's so much to do with Palkus. So that's going to be there right off to the side because I know Manassas, right, is their main office. Um so Not we're enough. our PO box essentially is there, but we're a completely virtual organization right now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so because we're, we're national. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll have to we'll definitely take you up on that. Okay. Is there anything else that we didn't cover about being a physician assistant that you wanted to make sure um, we talked about? That it's in US News magazine in 2021, it was listed the number one best career to go into. Software developer was second, and there's a there'll be a 28 increase in PA employment, in like starting from 2021 to I think like 2025 or something. Oh, that's great! So that's the article you sent me. Uh, What I sent you was a video of how the profession started, which is really amazing. amazing. We'll we'll have to put a link to maybe that video, but then also the article you were reading that lists the PA profession is as the number one, um, just so people have a, a sure. kind of another So the resource. correction was 28% increase in PA employment between 2021 and 2031. That's so, huge. Yeah, we're trying to crank out PAs. That's okay. huge. And if anybody has questions, um, can uh, they reach out to you? Sure. My, um, <laughs> they can reach me at my uh, email. It's P-A-C-P-A-C-P-O, P-O-W-E at gmail.com. I'll be okay. Laughing. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. This thank has you. been a great, I feel like I learned so much and hopefully this is the first of many career focused podcasts that yeah. we do on this channel. I think they would be quite helpful to, to our community. So thank you very much for suggesting yeah. it. And thank you all to our listeners who joined us for another episode of Tudo Português. If you have a career that you would like to talk about that you think is important for the community to know more about, please let us know. Um, we're happy to feature you and or anyone else that you know, because again, this podcast is all about things Portuguese, Portuguese people, what we're doing and how we can help each other. So please let us know. At, uh, send us an email at palcus at palcus.org. If you haven't subscribed to the channel yet and you just happen to be listening to this podcast, please subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts and leave us a review so that more people can hear the conversations and share information. And please share this episode with family and friends. And until next time, take care, everybody. And um, I got to come up with a good tagline. 
Louisa, for the ends of these podcasts. A teapros- <laughs> well, a teaprosimo is kind of like me and Maria's thing. I don't want to steal that. So maybe like a teja or something. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Louisa, for joining us. Uh, it was really a pleasure and hope to see you soon. Yes, pleasure talking awesome. to you. Awesome. Teja, everybody. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tudo Português, a podcast production by Palcas, the only national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community. To learn more about Palcas, how to become a member, or to suggest a guest for our show, visit www.palcas.org or email us at palcas at palcas.org. <laughs>